Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sierra. <laughs> so this is the third installment of our Head & Heartwork Conversations interview series. And this was one of the first ones we recorded. And honestly, Melissa Lozada-Oliva, the the guest this week was one of the first people I thought of when we started brainstorming people to talk to in this interview process. And unfortunately, you were not a part of this interview. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, I wasn't. (laughs) Um, But Melissa and I had like a really fun, charming, enlightening conversation. And we talked about the connectivity of online dating or like the false connectivity that it gives us. Um, Mm -hmm. And the exhaustion, potentially. We also talked about trying to like open, why it's hard to make friends in your late 20s and and Mm -hmm. 30s. And like how it's like really vulnerable to open yourself up to new people. We talked about the challenges um, of interracial dating and like how to potentially navigate that. And we also talked a little bit about writing because that's how I know Melissa originally is from like the writing world. Um, And yeah, I thought it was like a really fun, refreshing conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And actually like one of the things that I loved most about it, but I loved all of it, but one of the (laughs) things I I loved most about it was actually hearing you and Melissa talk about writing and your writing process and um, just like hearing two really talented people who are passionate about their work and have been doing this work for a long time, really talk about what it's like to sit down and write and write in different genres and different types of writing um, was just really fun. Like, I I feel like I don't get the opportunity to hear really talented people talk in that way, like just like conversationally about their experiences with like writing. Like it was, it was so fun. You can't like get me in a zoom call with a friend who has just published a new book and not let, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to not ask them about their writing process. (laughs) For sure. Um, I think something that I really loved about this conversation and the way I want to best preface it is, you know, Melissa is newly single. She's out there dating. And, um, I was reminded like how wonderful and what a privilege it is to like have just simple conversations with people you love and respect about their head and heart work, you know, about Mm. their journeys. And I think Melissa said some really poignant and thoughtful things that reminded me how much we love new perspective and how we are made better by other people processing their experience out loud. That's why we love writers. That's why we love artists. That's why we love podcasters, you know? Um, And I just was really... I was really enriched by this conversation. So we hope you enjoy this conversation like we did with Melissa Lozada Oliva. (music) 
Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder, and this week on our brand new interview series, Head and Heartwork Conversations, I'm talking to my friend, Melissa Lozada Oliva. Melissa is a Guatemalan, Colombian, American poet, screenwriter, and co-host of the podcast, Say More, whose pronouns are she, her. Her book, Paluda, published by Button Poetry in 2017, explores the intersections of Latina identity, feminism, hair removal and what it means to belong her brand new novel in verse dreaming of you is out now as of october 26th in 2021 on astro house i'll let her tell you more about it i'm so excited to read it but first melissa thank you so much for being here with me today (laughs) thanks for having me it's so nice to be in a room with you virtually i haven't seen you in years I know. Yeah. Years. You, um, the last time I saw you was like right before the pandemic shut down everything. Yeah. Melissa opened for us yeah. at our Brooklyn live show. Um, I also love that I had like my very professional radio voice going on. And then I like, you know, disintegrated into the teen girl fan of you that I am <laughs> like, I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> yeah. I need to have a professional voice more. <laughs> uh, I don't really have one. I just, I, it's just like my, I'm going to read this now instead of like sounding like a total idiot, you know? <laughs> um, thanks so much for joining us. Like we're so excited about this new interview series and you were one of the yeah. first people that I thought of, especially in celebration of your new book, which we will talk about more later, but first we're going to talk about yeah. some relationship shit. Oh, um, I'm so excited. But- <laughs> first, like, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while. I know that it's a big year for you. It's a big year for everybody. Like, but how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, Yeah, it's like it's been a a kind of wild fall. And I'm really it's like the first fall that I've been single in New York since I moved to Mm. New York. Mm. So that is interesting. Is that Um, hot or depressing or both? Like, is it? It's kind of like both. It's like something about the season right now really makes me want to like, I mean, I guess it's almost cuffing season, but it makes me want to like fall in love even more so than it did yes. like oh, in the spring. I am an autumnal bitch. Totally. Yeah, I know. Yeah. New, I'm like a new England bitch at heart. So that is yeah. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So there was a couple topics that like, so every once in a while we ask our listeners for check-in topics or things that mm-hmm. want us to um, cover. And also we have this like private Facebook group um, in which our listeners like off each other, offer each other advice or like complain about things, which I don't comment on. I just like creep on. And yeah. um, one of the things that people have always been talking about lately, I think, and I think it's like the season, like you said, is just... Um, the troubles with online dating that it's like this wonderful source of connection yeah. and also this necessary necessary evil and i post that to you Ugh. as something that we could talk about and I don't, yeah <laughs> and it sounds like you have some some thoughts about it um so first like what is your historical or present or whatever relationship with online dating <laughs> um well i have some funny stories to tell online dating is really 
fun and weird. I feel like as soon as you uh, like leave a long-term relationship, you're like really excited to get like back on the apps and like see what you've been missing and see how like the interface has changed (laughs) and like what people are saying in their fucking bios. Um, And so uh, (laughs) when I initially like became single, I was like, oh yeah, I'm like all over the apps. And then um, I don't know. I feel, I'm feeling very... um, cynical about the apps right now because at a certain point they start feeling like I'm on like Grubhub or I'm like ordering food (laughs) and like it's really and I'm like okay I'm on here because I'm having this like specific human urge (laughs) and now I'm being like algorithmed like faces that I seem to be attracted to and I don't know it's like too tied up in like capitalism for me right now. I don't know why I'm like saying capitalism like very vaguely, but also it's like, it's weird to meet a stranger. It's very vulnerable. And like, you have no one to vet. They have no one to like vet for them because you don't know them through a friend. And then like all of a sudden you find yourself on a date with someone who cuts his hair by setting it on fire and takes experimental (laughs) anti-aging drugs. Um, True story. And how how old did he look? Like, was it like a Benjamin Button sort of situation or just like really nice skin? Oh my God. He looked, (laughs) he could have been anywhere from 22 to, uh, I mean, he looked, if he told me he was 22, I would have believed it, it, but he was, he was 30, he was 35. He was 35 and looked like very young, was so obsessed with not aging, was like. And how experimental are we talking? He like shot. Okay. He was completely sober. Um, had never like smoked or drank, tried a drug in his life because he's afraid of aging. But in order to take this drug, he had to shoot it up through a vein. <gasps> and where did he get this drug? Like a, a a doctor or like Grubhub or like a street corner? Like what are we, I, what are we talking you know, about here? I, I can't picture I didn't it. Ask. Is it like <laughs> mushrooms or is it like, or is it like the toxic venom of the Peter Parker spider? You know what I mean? I feel like, yeah, somewhere in between that, like some kind of herbal thing. Well, he was like, I have a really low (laughs) blood cell count because I'm about to go teach this philosophy. I'm like about to go teach this philosophy class in China and I need to get a physical. And it turns out I have a really low blood cell count, white blood cell count. And I was like, oh my God, like, do you have cancer? And he was like, well, it could be cancer (laughs) or it could be these experimental anti-aging drugs that I'm taking. I don't know how I would respond to that. Like I would have, I, I, I don't know what I would have said. <laughs> I think I would have like taken a drink and been like, so tell me more about that. You know, Sam, our, oh, my co-host yeah. always says like approach things with curiosity. And I would have been like, Ugh. well, that's exactly <laughs> it. I'm like that. too curious and I don't know how to leave situations. So I end up having like really good stories, but also maybe like, <laughs> I'm like, was he going to suck my blood? <laughs> Um. (laughs) yeah that's what I was like it's either like some sort of medical mushroom or like are we talking about like baby sacrifice like what how what is the scope of the experiment here yeah Um, anyway but um you talked about so you you brought up strangers earlier and like how terrifying it is to meet strangers and and I think a lot what I've been seeing what a lot of our listeners are dealing with too is like how frustrating it is to to put your, to, you know, 
for the lack of a better way to phrase it, to put your like sense of self or like your confidence in the hands of a stranger too, and their oh, yeah. ability to like really crush your spirit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, they can like put, you can be like, listen, I'm not that into you. And then they're like, okay, you stupid bitch. And you know that this person <laughs> is being irrational and toxic and no one you uh-huh. ever want to date or be around. And yeah. yet also you're like, ow, I can't believe you called me that, you know, right. can I make you a sandwich? You know, that, that perpetual desire yeah. to like people please comes out with dating apps, particularly with strangers. Right. Yeah. Cause you're like, oh, all of these, I don't know, all of these like niceties are in place because you haven't had this like natural meeting. I don't know. So you're like establishing this connection. I don't know. It's so, it's so odd. (laughs) I'll probably like be on them again at some point, but. (laughs) Are you taking a break right now? You just like tapped out or swiped out or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I feel tapped out. I don't feel like getting to know anybody right now. That is an excellent segue to my next question about like connectivity and dating apps and like being in your, you're in your thirties now. I'm 29. Are you in your 30s now? <laughs> I just oh, turned 20. Okay. Sorry. I didn't yeah. mean, I, I didn't mean to assume okay. that I just like, <laughs> but you're in, you're in that, you're, you're in that, um, envelope of time in, in which meeting new people becomes really hard, whether it's romantic yeah. or yeah. friends. And I wanted to ask you Dude. like, do you make new friends and, or do you want to make new friends <laughs> and how do you do I, that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like it's so weird. I was literally just thinking like, I have friends who, um, my closest friends I've been friends with for 10 years plus, And like, we're going to be friends forever because it's just been that long and they know me so well. And it's, I, I like am very social and extroverted and like, I make new friends a lot, but it's always like a little weird when like, like getting to know people's like quirks or when like conflicts come up because you're like, oh, I'm discovering this new thing about you. And I don't know how to like approach it and now we have to like come to this impasse where we're just like oh we're <laughs> I didn't I wasn't expecting this or just like the idea of just like being like surprised by people is like scary and yes. I'm like oh my god I yeah. am I gonna keep doing this like throughout my life like meeting new people and then being dis- surprised and disappointed by them um but oh my god, I don't yes. know yeah maybe that's why it's harder to make new friends as we graduate from that like college age you know that nebulous sort of like college age time in which you're making new friends all the time and that those friends are like Uh your family and then once you kind of move past that age group it feels really hard to retain and to make new friends probably because we don't put the same sort of naive work into our friendships as we did when we were younger I I get what you're saying about being really uh, by be- by getting disappointed by new adults that I meet. And yeah. that is like such a lonely feeling, I think. It is. It is. And you're just like, oh, I mean, maybe it's like a life stage where you're like, oh, maybe like this part of myself doesn't need to keep opening up, you know, and I can have the yes. friends that I've had and trust the people that I trust and not be like, yes. Yeah. Cause I keep, I don't know. I'm so something about my personality, like attracts, um, people who are like, um, 
weird. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Say more. (laughs) Yeah. I think I just, um, I am, I'm curious and I ask a lot of questions and then all of a sudden I'm like wrapped up in somebody who is like, kind of like could be toxic or could be like, um, like taking up space in a way that I didn't expect just because like I'm attracted Mm. to like really like buoyant energies. Is that true in your relationships as well? Do do you find yourself drawn to people who take up a lot of space? Okay. No. And that is like actually something I've been talking about with my therapist um, because yes, (laughs) yes, therapy. um, But I, I've am like really, um, I, I don't go for very like, uh, taking up space, masculine people because I get very small around it and it scares me. So I end up yeah, going I'm sorry. toward. Sorry, I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to cut. I'm laughing because I'm thinking about that fucking Instagram video that you made where it was like <laughs> me trying to interact with somebody with a really intense masculine energy. Yeah, and you're, like, uh. you're like yes, uh huh, yeah. <laughs> Totally. And then you just like, don't know, you just like fawn into this different person. Exactly. Exactly. That's all I have to say. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And and it could be that I grew up in like a house of women and I just didn't have like masculine vibes around me. But like everyone I've dated has been this like soft boy. And I, it makes me feel very like tall and full and interesting and, um, like confident. And then when I'm around someone who takes up more space, Mm. I'm like, "Eh." but then like recently I've been like encountering people who are like, not what I usually go for. And I feel, and I think it's just cause like, I'm more confident in my life where I'm like, oh, I can be like my full self around all different sorts of people. Um, so like, I think And so it was this like weird defense mechanism where I was trying to like, um, I don't know, like not be around people who made me feel small. But then in that I was like not letting myself grow, you know? Yes, totally. And I I love that you brought that up. It's very relatable to me and um, to actually like a family member who uses those exact sort of words about talking about finding partners that kept her that didn't challenge her to be that bigger, authentic, stronger version of herself. Like, yeah, uh, they, she could just be as strong as she needed to be because they like, didn't challenge her at all or whatever. Um, can you say like anything more about, um, the, so when, when you're, do you, you must feel like a little triggered, maybe triggered is like, too intense of a word, but like with these new personalities that you're attracting, you know, how do you, I remember, I remember sometimes like trying to date somebody who like would, um, who challenged me in this way. Let's talk about that. Or like, let's refer to it like that. And I would like amp myself up before seeing them being like, this is your authentic self. You're cool. You don't need to prove anything. You don't need to like laugh at their jokes if they're not funny. You know, like I would give myself a pep talk. Um, can you, do you do any sort of process like that when you feel that smaller self come up, I guess? 
It comes up a lot when I'm like doing like job stuff, like having like meetings with people where I'm like, okay, like Melissa, you're interesting and you're successful and you're funny. And like, (laughs) and I'm like, you're, and I like literally just like say that and I don't, and I'm like, you don't have to, cause I get like blackout anxiety and I just like, my personality just like leaves me. Mm. Um, It doesn't happen anymore that much with like romantic things. So I'm like, but like professionally, I'm still like, yeah. okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month. So I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active 
in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. Another thing that our listeners have been asking us to touch on um, is the experience of interracial dating Mm. um, or interracial relationships and potential like tokenism that happens in those relationships. And obviously, as two white hosts, um, we have sort of not navigated into those conversations beyond just like affirming our letter writers experiences, like what your experience is real. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know you have some very strong feelings about this or maybe lived experiences that you can speak to. Yeah, totally. Um, I think I'm still like processing, you know, what it means to date someone who didn't grow up the way that I did, doesn't look the way that I do. Um, Because I generally have (laughs) only dated uh, white men. And I think it is, you know, kind of the same thing going on with like, I need to be dating this like... um, like softer person so that I feel big. Um, Mm. And sometimes dating, you know, white men, I'm very like sure of like who I am and like my identity just because of like all that they are not. I don't know. That's weird to say, but um, I think it makes sense. Yeah. I think, you know, this last person I dated and I try am talking about him with the utmost love and care. Um, but you know, he was like really theorized about like race and, um, like, uh, had very good politics was like an, taught me a lot about abolition, um, and mutual aid and shit like that. Things that I was not aware Mm. of, like made me, um, you know, kind of like a better citizen of the world. And then like he, it was impossible for him to code switch. So I would bring him to my house and he'd be like, I feel like I can't be myself here. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mm. Like, I'm never myself. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, I just don't know how to interact with your family. And then I'd be like, what? Just try. Like my family is very like loud and like speaking in and out of Spanish Mm -hmm. and sometimes like problematic in the things that they say because they're people. And he was very just like Mm -hmm. uncompromising. And I was like, I don't know. There is this like rift where I was like, I can't be uncompromising like with my family. Um, Anyway, so it was like, you can be so good about all these things and you can read so much about it, but then like sometimes your lived experience like comes to an impasse. Isn't it an example of a heightened privilege too to not know how to code switch like that? Like I think that white people and white men in general haven't had to historically you know, save face, you know, to, to, to stay safe or to fit in or to, or to whatever, you know. Right. Cause you're always safe. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's also another interesting thing that I think like Sam and I talk about as white people, as white Mm -hmm. hosts too, that like we can, we can, what I have seen in my academic spaces is that it's, it's a, it's, becoming easier and easier for white folks like me to be able to speak on things like racism and um, inequity 
really well and with statistics and with that, you know, and with, yeah. and with resources, because we've listened to all the podcasts and we've, we've read the right books and stuff like that. But that research, that information, that life-changing perspective that we're, what, that we're consuming is, isn't useful in real human to human experiences. Like, yeah, it's sort of like tap, it t- somehow, it somehow takes away your empathy because you're like, you're, you're right. You are, dealing with all of your weird guilt with the uh-huh. statistics instead of like a human right. to human experience. Yes. Yeah. And then the guilt becomes like all consuming. I mean, I feel like it's like not enough to like decolonize your bookshelf, you know, it's like you can speak like so beautifully and eloquently all you want about like anti-racism, but like at the end of the day, like are all of your friends white? <laughs> right. I think that is a big thing. Like if, do you not know how to, if your only interaction with a person of color is like your partner, like that is a red flag, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A- and if you're dis- if your, if your discomfort is only made less um, uncomfortable with books and not like, uh, a human lived experience. Like I, I, I see a lot of my, myself and my peers feel like we can process our quote white guilt by yeah. like educating ourselves. And, right. and there's, and there's something dehumanizing in that for, for sure. people of color and black people. Yeah. If, you know, if we, if we like look at racism as something to solve by studying it instead of by actually fucking processing it or whatever. Um, right. That yeah. was a little bit of a tangent, even though that's exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Totally. Totally. Do you have um, like advice to folks who are in a similar situation or feel themselves either being tokenized or I mean, I think what you describe very respectfully, like yeah. you said, in your last relationship is a dynamic that is going to be really present in in now and in the years to come as uh-huh. um as our country becomes more and more aware about um, the racial disparities and right and whatnot, like I think there's going to be a lot of well-meaning white people out there who for sure are well-meaning, right? <laughs> like you know, yeah. and and who find themselves in new relationships. So, I, but just to specify, do you have any advice for the non-white folks in those relationships? <laughs> Totally. You know, you like love who you love. I I do think like you can't help who you fall in love with and they're, um, and sometimes it's going to be a white man (laughs) or a white person. Um, and I think I, I would say like moving, you can be on compromise, like, what am I going to say? There are like a a list of things you can be uncompromising about and it can be about who you choose to have in your life. And I think like moving forward, like me personally, I'm going to be like, oh, like just because someone is well-meaning and really good at talking about uh, the state of the world, like doesn't mean that they're going to like fit into my life. Mm. And um, I think, you know, I wasn't, really completely honest with myself about like how important my family was to me and how it must have felt when I was like bringing around this like guilty ass white dude. (laughs) Um, Okay. Love and care, Melissa. Love and care. (laughs) Um, My friend Arti said this to me. (laughs) Arti Golapudi, who's like a really amazing comedian, um, poet, writer, performer, is that you don't have to be with everybody that you love. 
And I think I did, I did love this person and I was just like this and in this stage of my life, this is not working. And it's because of, it's like, these things are just like unsolvable and I'm, you don't have to be the one who is going to solve them. They have to figure that out on their own. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like this person isn't a bad person for like not having the right tools or whatever, but this is a core compatibility with who you, what your authentic, um, uh, needs and interests and morals are. And not everybody is meant for us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I also like loved this person. Like I wrote so many poems about this person, but also then I was like, my love is a spell and I'm going to feel the same. I'm going to love everybody the same way. <laughs> that so. is fucking, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. I love thinking that way. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, thanks for speaking on that. Um, yeah, I hope that's helpful. <laughs> I think it. it's so, I mean, for someone to tell me, um, or to to tell anyone out there um, that you can be uncompromising in the things that you want in a relationship. That's wicked powerful, yeah. especially in in this more nuanced dynamic when we're talking about race and we're talking about like a an inability to be fully seen um, or, or or to have a full par- authentic partnership, which was lacking because he couldn't meet you in that family space. Yeah, um, I think that's those words are really powerful. Couple questions, mm-hmm. random questions that have nothing to do with what we we're talking about. Is, yeah. Um, it one is, what is a piece of relationship advice that you used to believe or like ascribe to, but that you no longer believe or no longer find useful? So I've been having some trouble about like. I still don't know whether or not like playing hard to get is important. (laughs) Um, And like my mom is always just like, don't be so desperate. Like, (laughs) like she's like, let them come to you. And then like, I really try to like, be cool. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, my anxious attachment style like comes through. So I feel like, I don't necessarily believe in like being cool. I believe in like stating what you want like right away. But I also feel like part of being cool is like actually being cool. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, I'm not like, it's not necessarily like I'm like someone will come to you if you're really like caught up in yourself and your life and how well you're doing and not if you're like, love yeah. me now. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. by being cool, you mean being secure in yourself. Exactly. Exactly. For <laughs> us anxiously attached people. <laughs> I know. Help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's fun. <laughs> um, it, it's very different. I, I, I'm now, I am now married to a secure person and it wow. is like a whole f- new fucking frontier. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute you're not going to break up with me if I don't do the dishes like, or you're, right. you're, you're, our relationship isn't threatened every time we have an argument or something. It's, oh, damn. it's a bizarre new world. So tell me a little bit about your new book. Yeah. So my book dreaming of you is a novel in verse. Um, but I originally wrote it kind of like as this rock opera. That was how it was banging around in my head because I wanted all of the (laughs) 
poems to like sing on their own. Um, so they all do, but they all come together and tell a story. And the story is a young poet whose name is Melissa um, brings Selena, yeah. Selena Quintanilla <laughs> back to life through a seance and there are disastrous consequences. And it's kind of all about like celebrity worship and what happens when you put somebody you love, whether it is like a romantic person or of someone you're a fan of on a pedestal, what happens when they disappoint us, um, redemption, complicated relationships between women, um, and you know, mourning and grief and and how we're all like haunted by intergenerational trauma. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was it first of all? I have to say the cover is so good. Thank you. Uh, the cover is just perfect. I hope you. I hope you love it. I am obsessed with it. It's such a dream come true. I mean, the I'm such a fan of Polly Noor who illustrated it, and her whole thing is she's this like amazing English um, illustrator, and her whole thing is women and their demons. And we have the same agent, and I didn't know, and I was like please make this happen. And I just got so lucky oh God, and it happened. Perfect. It's just like, I can't believe it. So looks so good. <laughs> it looks so good. And it also looks like it's so you. Yeah. Like, I, I could have handpicked that out of a bunch of like blind test covers yeah. for a cover yeah. for you. I, I just love it. Um, and tell me a little bit about the writing process. Um, this is just like a little fun writing segment, you know, yeah. like not about relationships because <laughs> I used to be a writer once upon a time, but it must be so fun <laughs> to write a series of poems in in conversation with one another like that. I love themed books and themed, oh, themed yeah. poetic I love manuscripts because of that reason. But this is a totally, this is a new this is a, like one-upping that to, to write a whole like novel in verse. Yeah. What, what was the process like? Um, it was pretty difficult because I, um, I mean, even the plot is like crazy and it's like in four parts. Um, I, I had a lot of trouble with it and it also was like born of this like tiny little idea I had of like a zombie Selena coming back to life and going to a Halloween party and everyone is dressed as her, but she's the most authentic one. And then I was also writing all of these love poems and they kind of both seemed to be doing this like same thing where I was like worshiping somebody impossibly. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I just had to, I was like, the biggest thing was like, all right, Selena is a zombie, but how did she come back to life? And then that, you know, I had to have yeah. all these intentions behind that. And of course there are consequences. Yeah. I had a lot of help from my program at NYU and my um, professor, Matthew Rohr, who was like, let's get freaky with it, like rock operas. And I was like looking at the rock operas of my youth, which are like My Chemical Romance and Green Day and The Killers yeah. and uh, <laughs> the literary, very literary. Um, yeah. So I just, yeah, I was, it was a big, it was like hell and heaven. <laughs> Yeah, I have not written, I've not finished or fully written a novel yet, but that's like my next writing yeah. goal. But I've always described it as like, there's such a difference between writing one poem versus writing out a whole, like, like you said, like, well, how did she become a zombie? You know, there's oh, all yeah. these, there's this whole world building that we have to do. Normally, it's like this contained poem of chaos. Yeah. Um, but I always describe it as like, 
writing fiction is like writing with my non-dominant hand. Like I know the words, I know the language, but it feels so much more like clunky to me. I know. And like, like I'm like wading through a bog or something. Right. It's like, I know. Um, I really have to get in touch with like the part of me that likes puzzles. I love that. That's great advice. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I talk, I, you know, talking out a lot with friends, I have like a separate notebook where I'm like, um, I like arrange, I'm writing like stories now. So I'm, um, I like do uh, like a, a line and then I'm like, okay, how does this get over here? But then also like, there's a separate like yeah. B plot line and how does, how do they all like connect with each other? <laughs> That's fascinating. I can't, I cannot wait to read it. Um, Thank you. Just pretend you're not here for a second. Melissa is definitely one of my in top five favorite writers that I have encountered so through <laughs> the spoken word community. That that's where we came up to yeah. like we met in the spoken word world. Um, and so if you're interested in all in like what Melissa used to be like, what, five years ago, you can find her on YouTube. <laughs> but I love all of your like spoken word poems. Thank um, you. I love your book, Paluta. Um, and I can't wait to check out your new book, Dreaming of You. You can get it now, I'm guessing, like everywhere Um, places where you get books (laughs) Um, okay so before we uh, say goodbye um, every episode of our primary show we um, do a blind date segment where we tell our listeners Mm. something we love that we want to set them up with Um, and this week I'm going to ask you for a blind date Um, can I do two things yes of course oh my god okay I just need to make sure I'm getting (laughs) Yes. So the first thing is a book and it is called Objects of Desire. Let me just make sure by Claire Sestanovich. And Mm -hmm. these stories like really helped me. um, I just really love them because they just uh, helped me like write fiction and all of it, it made me realize that like things happening in the background should always be like helping tell the story too. So like all of the descriptions that are going around when people are talking like have to do with like the character's interior and they're just like really heartbreaking, beautiful, simple stories, objects of desire. So good. And the second thing awesome. um, is this musician that I'm really into. Um, her name is Indigo D'Souza and she has an album called Any Shape You Take and I've just been listening to it on a furious sad girl um repeat <laughs> and they're all just like songs she's just like trying to find joy in this world and love and it's so good so go and read the, her read is claire and listen to indigo <laughs> i love that i can't wait um and finally where can our listeners find you and how can they best support you um you can find me online everywhere at E-L-L-O Melissa. That's my handle on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I have a website, MelissaLozadaOliva.com. If you want to shoot me a coffee Venmo or something, um, I'm MelissaLozada-Oliva on Venmo. <laughs> um, and you could just buy my book or you could just like... Yeah, buy, I, buy both your books. <laughs> Um, and listen to your podcast, Say More, right? Are you guys... Yes, and listen to my podcast, Say More, where Olivia and I talk shit. Yeah, Olivia, our original our original guest. We've only had one guest on Just Break Up um, prior oh, to wow. you. Prior to oh this God, interview series, what? and it was really? Olivia. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's we so were trying cool. it out. And I then, love this. And then it just sort of didn't, um, it turned into, you know, it was in the big. In the beginning days of Just Break Up, when we weren't sure if we were going to do interviews or if yeah. we were going to have guests or whatever. Um, and so Olivia was in town and we had her on an episode. I think if folks want to go way back, it's like episode 12 or 14. And now we're at 160-something. That's so cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So you two, the, the hosts of Say More have now been on Just Break Up. So... Thanks for that. Oh, amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Melissa, for chatting with me. Thanks for having me. This was so much yes. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and remember, if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>